0: Welcome to Inspire, the Angel Flores podcast where you'll be inspired, equipped, and entertained.
1: Okay, so Dr. Pilch, thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, let's go ahead and start off with your story. So, <laughs> where you're born, um, that, where you grew up, that kind of stuff.
0: Thank you, Angel. Uh, I was born in Wheatland, Wyoming, a small town in southeast Wyoming. Uh, yeah. I was born as a twin. I have a fraternal twin sister and I have an older sister who is six years older. And we lived on, we lived on a hog ranch, hog farm um, in the country for the first half of my growing up years. My grandparents and my dad and mom owned a small piece of property there. And uh, so we, we lived there because um, my parents could afford to live there. There was a small, tiny Nasty little farmhouse oh, okay. that that was on this? the property. So my my dad and my grandfather um, ran the pigs and and I, I think some farming. I remember some mm-hmm. farming. But my dad also worked for the highway department. So he worked in town. My dad usually worked two or three jobs at a time. Is what mm-hmm. I remember growing up. So I get a lot of my drive, I think, and my hard work ethic from my father. Okay. Um, so I grew up in Wheatland, Wyoming.
1: And it's just you and your sister then my
0: twin sister and me and then my older sister. So there were three of us girls. Um, nobody had really, you know, gone to college in my family. Uh My, my mom dropped out of high school. My older sister dropped out of high school. And so, um, I was the first in my family to go to college, Uh which was quite an accomplishment at the time. Yeah. That's (laughs) an accomplishment today. Yeah, it is.
1: Being first gen. So, so thinking back to that, what was it? So there was no, you had no, um, No example, right? No role model in your immediate family that could show you this is how you do it. This is how you fill out FAFSA, like all that. This is how you buy books, like none of that. Right? The stuff
0: that even kids today still think is really hard to figure out.
1: It is, yeah. Yeah. And even in the information age, it is. It's still, you know, what do you mean I can sell my books? Who do do I sell them to and whatever, right? Um, So then what, looking back, what do you think it was? Was there a teacher that really took an interest in you? What do you think it was that made you say… I could do this. it
0: absolutely was teachers and and just the whole high school environment mm. um I was very active in, i mean in in everything in high school that I could be okay. um and and part of that was kind of an escape from home okay. honestly things mm-hmm. weren't great at home my parents divorced uh, when uh, my twin and I were i think thirteen or fourteen oh. and so school became a refuge for me mm. and a place to you know to get away to and and to be involved and and to feel safe right. and so um, I had teachers and a cheerleading sponsor and a high school principal who really cared about me, mm. and I think saw things in me that I didn't even see in myself, and uh, pushed me in that direction so wow. that I would I would consider going to college. I was in a so theater you went to
1: this was Wheatland High School at Wheatland
0: High School, Wheatland high, high School, home of the Fighting Bulldogs, Bulldogs, Bulldogs. home of right. the Bulldogs, Wheatland High School. You know, and when we started as ninth graders, I think there were a hundred and. 33 of us or so, and only 96 kids graduated.
1: Oh, wow. So
0: there was a pretty strong culture there of, you know, not everybody needed to graduate high school. and
1: would you get to 10th yeah. grade or whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. Go work, right. go get exactly. a job, work on the farm.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so not a lot of kids went to college. Mm. Um, But, you know, I was one of the lucky ones. I hmm. got to go to college. Where'd you go? I went first to Casper College. It's a okay. two-year community college. It was a great place for me to go. I got to know my teachers. They They took care of me and helped me, you know, and supported me. Um, And then I went to the University of Wyoming to Mm. finish my bachelor's degrees. Um, And then later on, I was in Missouri when I did my graduate work.
1: Okay. So you got your bachelor's in?
0: At the University of Wyoming. In what? Oh, I have a bachelor's in um, English and theater and a bachelor's in theater arts.
1: Oh, wow. So you yeah. wanted to do theater? Yeah. You wanted to teach theater? Yeah, I wanted
0: to teach theater. So my high school drama teacher was one of my heroes in high mm. school, as well as my high school English teacher. It was a mm. small high school. So, you know, I had these teachers over and over throughout my high school oh, yeah, career. Yeah, yeah. And so, that, you know, they were they were people I looked up to. They were the people who said, you can go to college. You're filling out this scholarship yeah. application. You're, I'll help you. Yeah, you're, yeah, getting, yeah. Yeah, you're doing this. Uh, you know
1: What were their names?
0: Uh, Denise Gardner and Claire Wilhelm.
1: Ms. Gardner and Ms. Wilhelm. Yep. Big shout Ms. Gardner out Gardner to and Ms.
0: Wilhelm. Yep. fighting
1: bulldogs, Miss Gardner and Ms. Wilhelm. <laughs> Absolutely. That's huge, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, they, they were a huge part of my decision and my getting to college uh-huh. and filling out the right paperwork, you right, know,
1: yeah,
0: because um, they knew a little bit about that world. I remember uh, uh, in my senior year, mid-year, my mom told me, you know, you need to go see your counselor. You got to get this college stuff going. And so I went to see my counselor and I sat down in his office and it's an office about the size of this office Mm -hmm. actually. And uh, I said, Mr. G, I, uh, I, got to figure out how to go to college. And he looked at me and he said, Oh, Deirdre, you're not college material.
1: Oh man. Mr. G you're not not going to say his whole name. No,
0: we are not. You're not college material. And I said, Oh, huh. So I go home, I tell my mom and you know, I think my mom probably, didn't know better either Mm -hmm. uh you know we didn't know and so then we started to think about well what else could i do because i you know had this drive this ambition this work ethic i had three jobs in high school and was you know cheer captain and student council and you know helped run the yearbook and so um was
1: the first job
0: my first job was working at a ballpark concession stand Oh, okay. In high school. Yeah.
1: Selling hot dogs. And
0: <laughs> cotton candy. Pickles pickles and oh, yeah. yeah. Those big cotton candy machines. Oh, oh yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So then you went and talked to mom. Yeah. And mom was like, okay.
0: Oh, yeah. She's like, oh, no. So we then thought, well, maybe cosmetology school. Hmm. And so we, we, I remember um, looking up at, at school, at the school library or somewhere, different cosmetology schools in Wyoming and Colorado. And so we went and visited a couple of cosmetology schools. And then, um, a little kind of miracle happened in hmm. June. I mean, it was early June, first week of June school had just gotten out. I'm working three jobs to make money. Cause maybe I'm still going to college or Something's doing something. Happen, yeah. I got to make money. So I, uh, I, my grandmother was in town. Uh, they were there for the summer and this is my dad's mom. She and I had always been very, very close. She's, you know, one of my heroes uh-huh. <laughs> anyway.
1: It's Kleenex and water. Right we there. have to
0: cry, really, right? So, um, so far,
1: everyone has cried except <laughs> well, one,
0: and gosh. it was a guy. <laughs> well, shh, darn, guys. Uh So anyway, um, my grandmother and grandfather were in town, and um my grandmother calls me and says, "I, I need you over here at four o'clock." Um, and I said, "Grammy, I gotta, I gotta be at the ballpark at four o'clock." She said, "Well, you, you let Mister Lucas know. That was my boss. <laughs> let him know you're gonna be late." and uh
1: mr lucas is probably yep. <laughs> 21
0: <laughs> <laughs> no he's actually the dad of one of my oh, gotcha. classmates okay. uh, but anyway she says let him know and uh you need to be here you, you need to call your dad my dad and stepmom were living in casper wyoming at the time mm. so i get over there and <laughs> i call my dad and i <laughs> i said i'm gonna be late to work and i um rode my bike over to my grandmother's and um I waited for my dad to make the call, and so my dad called, and he said, all right, your grandmother and your stepmother, they seem to think you need to go to college, (laughs) and he said, so um, here's what we're going to do. You're going to pack your bags, and uh, I'm picking you up on Saturday morning, and you're getting your butt up here, and you're going to start flagging for construction on Monday morning, and you're going to make as much money as you can between now and when school starts and you're starting at Casper college in the fall and I'll pay your room and board for the first year. You've got tuition scholarships, you've got money for the books You and you got to figure out the rest of it, but we're going to get you started in college.
1: Wow! So that's how it happened. <laughs> so do you think the impetus of all that was grandma?
0: Yeah. Oh God. Yeah.
1: So grandma. Oh, said, yeah.
0: My know it was. Yes. She's yeah.
1: like, this isn't. Yeah. Deirdre's not going to beauty school. Yeah. She's going to go to
0: college. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. It was absolutely my grandmother. And you know, here we are in my grandmother's little trailer house, um, waiting for my dad to call. And I thought, what did I do? <laughs> I'm in trouble for something. Mm. And, um, and I, you know, later, and grandma already
1: knew. Yeah. She, was she just- grandma
0: knew. And later I learned from my dad that, you know, my grandmother called him and said, we got to make this happen. Mm. Um, and, so, I think um, it takes a
1: village, man. Yeah,
0: it does take a village. Um, and, um, you know, my stepmom, she was a hard woman. I mean, later in life, we became very, you know, great friends. She was a hard woman, but I, I later learned she was involved in this plan as well. Mm. That, um, you know, so I think.
1: While you catch your breath, yeah. We stand on the shoulders of giants, <laughs> we really do. And it's, it's to our shame if we don't acknowledge that. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's no such thing as self-made anything. We somebody fought. Yeah. on a pig farm. Somebody fought, you know what I mean, for me it was migrant fields, yeah. migrant field worker. Yeah. That was my dad and my grandpa's and, and it's my mom and so the same thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, there's no question about it and um y- you know I I later learned, you know that my stepmom um had had said yes you know mm-hmm. we've got these girls cuz she ha- it was a blended family she had girls and a son at, but we've got these girls and um this little girl our little girl we got to make sure she goes to college cuz mm. she's she is going to be the the little fish in the big pond
1: excited yeah
0: and i remember her saying to me you're the a little fish in a big pond and you're going to do this um and you know at the time i'm i'm 18 i'm a snot i'm <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm mad. I had to leave my little town of Wheatland where I had three cool jobs and my boyfriend and
1: the coolest girl at yeah, the concession yeah, store.
0: And my boyfriend played baseball, you know, and I had to leave and go to Casper, Wyoming and stand How in far was that? Oh, two hours. Okay. Stand in 110 degrees weather mm. and stop big trucks on a you know, on a yeah, construction yeah, yeah. site. Um, but it was so good for me. So and, you
1: did that all that summer.
0: Oh yeah. I did it for three summers. Wow. Yes, yes, I did. How much were
1: you making? Do you remember? Yo,
0: golly, yes. My first year, I made eight dollars and fifteen cents an hour. I'd never made that kind of money. I, was I mean, minimum wage to be was huge. like two sixty five or something. <laughs> yeah, and it was huge. And and then that's I'd, what my
1: first job two sixty five yeah, that I made. Yeah.
0: yeah, absolutely. And so I'd stand out there in you know this blazing heat, and and I would calculate in my head okay, if I work two hours of overtime today, I get time and a half. If I work Saturday, I get double time. And I'd add up how much money I would have made by the end of the week and then how much I'd make by the end of the month. And so it was really good for me. It taught me the importance of money, you know, and that college costs money. And you yeah. you got to make money. Um, and, you know, I at the time, I, I didn't realize how much everybody was doing for me. You know what I right, mean? Because yeah. you're 18 and you're a brat.
1: Everyone's a little (laughs) self-centered. Yeah. Very Mm self-centered.
0: And, uh, but you know, my stepmother, um, she made my, me up a cooler of lunch every day. She did all my laundry. I mean, I, because I would just come home and crash, Mm. you know, there was food there when I got home to have dinner and then I'd go to bed and, you know,
1: standing in the sun all day.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then I'd come home on the weekends and see my mom and she'd make me my favorite foods and spoil me and tell me I was going to be okay. And what I know today and have known for a while now that I didn't know back then is just how, how much my mother was missing me Mm. and how much my mother wanted me back home. So when I started college, I was so homesick Mm -hmm. and I begged my mother to let me go back to Wheatland, Wyoming and drop out. And she just kept saying, no, you have to stay. You have to stay at least till semester. And what, so today she talks about how badly she wanted me back home, Mm -hmm. but she knew she had to make me stay because once I got a semester, you know, of accomplishment, then I would stay. And of course right, I yeah. did. She I mean, knew. Yeah.
1: That, yeah. Yeah. But looking back, that <laughs> yeah. had to be, Yeah. cause so I'm sure I, every bit of her wanted to say, yeah, just come home. Oh,
0: absolutely. And that's what she would say to me, you yeah. know, as oh, you have every much as you want to come home, you have no idea how much I missed having you here. And mm. so, um, so I, but I finished that first semester and.
1: You let, know, let me just say something about your mom real quick. So <laughs> we were at the, um, Boy Scouts of America yeah. annual Citizen of the Year, I think their award is, yeah. and you were being honored by them. And your mom went to the restroom be- right before they were going to bring you up, so that they halted the whole program yes, to yes. wait for your mom.
0: Yes, all this happened.
1: Yeah, and uh, but I'll never forget this. I have, I'll post this picture in this video, and I'll sh- I'll let you see it. There's this. So when you went up to receive your award, you're standing on stage receiving your award. I took a picture of your mom oh and your mom is standing she's the only person in the room standing and she has her camera out <laughs> taking pictures there's professional photographers and all that there but your mom is standing there with her phone taking pictures yeah. I was like that is a beautiful picture because yeah, it's beautiful a mom the love yeah. of a mom yeah. you know she obviously still so proud of her daughter yeah, absolutely get that picture on her phone
0: yeah, yeah. I've had I mean and not the fortunate thing I mean it's terrible when you're young and your parents divorce but mm. you know the fortunate thing that came out of that was we ended up with four parents and uh, who loved us and supported us in the way, in the ways they knew how to. Right. And, um, and it's certainly been those adults and and my grandparents that just, they got me to where I am today. There's no question about it. And when I first got to Casper college, honestly, I, I had not worked very hard in high school. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) I I had a lot more, you know, fun with all the activities in high school. Yeah. Um, and the the you know I loved being in school for the social part of it, but um, I didn't work that hard, so I really didn't have very many study skills. Mm. There was no AVID program. Right. Yeah. Had had there been, I would have been a perfect AVID kid. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't sure I could do it.
1: So for those of you that don't know, AVID is we explain what that. Yeah, means? it
0: stands for um, Advancement by Individual Determination, and it is a program that it is really targeted for first generation college students. So for kids whose families um have not typically gone to college but they have the ability to go to college and be successful. Um
1: so those kids are identified in 6th grade.
0: Yeah, we start at, we actually now have Avid in our elementary schools but we don't actually make you part of the Avid class or the Avid club until 6th grade.
1: Okay, yeah. Yeah. It's I So you would have been perfect for that oh because gosh. first gen. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. And you know in a lot of ways I I think about the secretary in the main office who was also the cheerleading sponsor and the principal of the school in a lot of way. And then my two teachers, they did a lot of things to support me and care about me that the AVID program does for students. I mean, Mm. you know, my high school drama teacher took me to the University of Wyoming to see a play
1: Mm. while I
0: was in high school. So it got me onto the University of Wyoming campus into the theater at the University of Wyoming. So you
1: could just see it. Yeah, and right. Yes. And that's
0: the kind of thing we do with Avid.
1: Mm-hmm. What would you say? I want to talk about um, a little more of your story, your career, how you met your husband. What would you say to Mr. G? Um,
0: well, I did. <laughs> um, <laughs> what so did I, you say? I went back and just said, I want you to know what I'm doing now. I'm mm-hmm. a, I have a doctorate degree. I'm a high school principal mm. of a high school with 2,500 kids. And I said, just want you to know. And, I, and um, you know, I didn't remind him what he said to me. Mm. That would be cruel. Yeah. You know, but what I did say to him was I said, I bet you never expected I would do something like this. And he said, no, I never imagined you would do this. And I said, I know. So just, mm. just, just imagine, you know, I said, I get to work with high school counselors now. I hire them. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, you know, just imagine the student who's in your your office or coming up to you in the hallway. Um, that they, what they really might be capable of, mm. and how much they might really be able to do. We just don't know. Yeah, we just do not know.
1: Have you shared that story with counselors that you hire? And
0: oh yeah, I've shared. I well, I don't know if I've shared it with counselors I've hired. I did share it with counselors who worked on my counseling team when I was a high school principal. Yeah. I Absolutely have. And, and not in a mean way, but in a way to say, you know, some, there's something about the way kids are that causes us to put limits on what we believe they can do. And, Hmm. you know, I, I was a C student. I, you know, if I could skip typing and and Hmm. go hang out in the main office and talk to the the head secretary and the principal, I did. And they didn't know I was skipping (laughs) typing. I mean, I did. just
1: a fun kid to be around. Yeah, yeah,
0: Yeah. Right. And so, um, I, you know, I think I can, I wouldn't have thought it was college material. I didn't. And when I got to Casper college, I worked my tail off because I wasn't sure I could do it. Mm. And then when I got all those A's that first semester and then in Casper, uh, because it's a community college in Wyoming and that, you know, the, there's a lot of money in that system. Here came the scholarships. Mm. So, you know, right away, I had this reward of scholarship money for good grades. And so I was very incentivized. Yes, to between work that, hard. the money you've yeah.
1: been saving. Yeah, very that's incentivized. That's what got the ball rolling. Yeah. yeah, that's important. And in in hindsight, when you look back on it, what if that scholarship money wouldn't have been there? You know what I mean? I, yeah, I'm sure you would have figured out why. a way because right? of who you are. But there's a lot of students that are probably on the bubble.
0: Oh um, yeah, yeah. You are on the bubble. Like one
1: little thing knocks you off, and that's it.
0: Oh no question about it. And um, I think. Where I was so fortunate, Angel, is that I had so many people who were rooting for me.
1: Mm.
0: My college teachers, my high school teachers, my mom, my dad, my stepmom, my stepdad, my grandma. Mm. And, and this deep, intense commitment that I couldn't let my grandmother down. Mm. You know, like she yeah. was counting on me to be mm. the first one. So I had to do it. What was her name? Yeah. Selma.
1: Zelma. Zelma
0: with a Z was Grammy. Honor you, Zelma. 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 Zelma
1: Yeah. Let me, let me talk about that real quick. I've heard people mispronounce your name.
0: Mm.
1: You probably get that a lot. I do get a lot. Mm Deidre. Your name's Deirdre. Correct. (laughs) Correct. Do you, I've, I've seen you correct some, haven't corrected others. What are your thoughts on that?
0: I only correct people when they give me permission. And by that angel, I mean, when people say, is it, is it Deidre? And then I'll say, actually it's Deirdre. Okay, so that yeah. when you, you, now you'll watch for that when you see me <laughs> yeah, correct yeah, yeah. people. Um, but otherwise I don't correct people. And, and here's why. Um, they're not, no one's doing it to dishonor me. It's a right. really hard name to pronounce. Hmm. Um, and it's just a name. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, right, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I, 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 I appreciate when people ask when they're not sure. And then that allows me to let them know yeah. how to say it and to help them with it. If they don't get it. Yeah. It's whatever. Yeah. yeah. Really. It's, it really is not a big deal to me. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a bigger deal to other people around me mm-hmm. than it, who know how to say my name. It's probably
1: me. your assistant. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. They're probably. yeah. Like,
0: yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Interesting. Cool. So then uh, how'd you meet your husband?
0: Oh, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> well, my sister's introduced us. Okay. So, um, I was, uh, I was leaving a marriage, had left a marriage and, um, I was living in Kansas city and, um, my sisters had met this Jeff guy and thought, you know, that I should meet him and my sisters and I are very different from each other. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, I was pretty sure that that wasn't going to work out and, but they were like, no, really, you should give this a shot. And so, um, he was friends with, uh, one of my my older sister's husband and okay. so um we met and so you I, knew he
1: wasn't a serial killer right, right. Or, I, well i figured
0: yeah. he probably wasn't <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> since he he was friends with them um so um you know i met him and I, I met him a long time before we ever really dated i actually met jeff the first time at the university of wyoming oh. so we had been at the university of wyoming together we didn't remember it until later when we saw pictures of each other from college and we're like oh my goodness really we
1: were around each other. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: we were. Um, and so, but that, you know, would not have been the right time for either one of us. Um, he was a wild child and Mm -hmm. I was getting a college degree. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but my sisters introduced us and, um, you know, we, we were friends for a long time before we, we became involved. And, um, he is just, he is my rock. He's amazing. Mm -hmm. He's a, he is a remarkable giving man. And, um, He's he's a surprise for people because he comes off as this tough country cowboy from Sheridan, Wyoming, but mm. he, he has a heart of gold. Oh, and cool. people he loves, look out because he'll do anything for you. Mm,
1: that's good. Yeah. Hey, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> so then, um, okay, so let's fast forward a little bit. You started, what did you do? Did you teach? Did you, so you started I teaching?
0: Teach. I did teach. I taught eighth grade language arts. Um and then I had an assistant principal. I had started my master's degree actually in counseling. Okay. Thought, well, I'll be a school counselor probably because I wanted to right the wrongs of being a bad school counselor. Right. Yeah, <laughs> probably, yeah, yeah. you know how that Even
1: subconsciously, you yeah. never know why you do stuff. No. You know?
0: At the time I didn't know it, but now I'm yeah. like, why did I pick counseling? Okay. Um, and so I had started my teaching career in Missouri and I followed, I followed a boy um, out to the Kansas city area and um, started teaching and, a lot of fun. And then I had an assistant principal who said, "Why are you getting a counseling degree? Why don't you become an administrator?" And I'm like, "Tell me more about that." And he mm. said, "Well, these things you're, you know, that you like to do, like these clubs you've started, this parent program you started, these are all kind of administrative things." And I said, "Well, I, I guess I'll take a class." So I took a class in the principalship and I was like, "This, this is it. cool. Mm. This is cool." And um and then I kind of I really fell into my first assistant principal job. Hmm. I really literally fell into it mm-hmm. because um, it was at the high school there in in the same school district. And um, it was the high school had 3,700, 3,800 kids, huge high school. Yeah. And um, I said, so go into my same mentor who told me to get the degree and say, what do you think? Should I apply? And he said, well, sure you should. Cause you should practice and i was just finishing up my degree i'd only <laughs> taught four years he said you you really practice mean?
1: interviewing yeah. and yeah yeah yeah. yeah. You know how
0: that is right, right, right go yeah. practice your go practice <laughs> your skills well they, they hired me <laughs> and i got my first assistant principal job at a at a high school and it was so it was so wonderful the kids were all you know i was i was assigned to the ninth graders so they were all kids i had just had oh
1: yeah, you know yeah, yeah. So in you eighth grade them, yeah.
0: i knew a lot of them and yes it was really hmm. It was a blessing,
1: and then so you did that for.
0: So I was an assistant principal for four years, I think. Also, and then I then I went back to the middle school where I'd been a teacher and mm-hmm. was their principal. Oh, okay. So teachers who taught me as a baby teacher how to be a teacher were the teachers that I got to work with at that school.
1: Oh, wow, interesting. yeah. Was that was there any awkwardness in that?
0: No, Um there really wasn't, and you know, Angel, I think. Uh, because I had gone to this the really big high school and had had that experience in between, uh, they really welcomed me back and gotcha, yeah. um, and I think, uh, you know they they were so good. They just needed somebody not to mess the place up. Oh, well, gotcha. you know yeah. they didn't need an overhaul. Mm-hmm. They just needed somebody to to make sure they stayed on the right track.
1: Steer the yep. steer the ship yeah. and not mess it yeah. up. Yeah,
0: and then. um, uh, then I went to the district office for one year. The one job I did not enjoy in my career. Mm. <laughs> I was a curriculum director for one year. And mm-hmm. then I thought, I got to get back to kids. So then I became, I went back to the high school where I'd been an assistant principal and was high school principal there.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And how did you end up in Colorado?
0: Well, so I, um, I went through a divorce, um, like many women who are working on their doctorate degree. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, something fails and it was my marriage. Mm. Um, and so I, I wanted to talk about
1: that a little bit. What do you, what do you mean by that?
0: You know what I watched in the time and you know, Angel, I'm old. So this has been, (laughs) I mean, really, this has been 20 years ago, more than 20 years ago. Um, but you know what I watched at the time that women who were working on their doctorate that either they didn't finish their doctorate or they often, you know, their marriage fell apart. Something has to give. Something has to give. Rigorous. Yeah. It's so demanding. and. quite frankly, doctoral programs now have gotten more manageable mm. around people in their work-life balance. Like you, gotcha, yeah. you're you able to work on your your dissertation along the way while you're doing your coursework, whereas at the time-
1: Your coursework almost is all centered around writing your dissertation now. Yeah. It seems.
0: Yeah, and it wasn't like that then.
1: So it was like, do all these classes yes. and then write a dissertation yes. that may or may not be related to what you
0: were- Absolutely. Gotcha. and, and so what it, you're
1: saying is these new guys are soft.
0: Yeah, these new guys are soft. Like, <laughs> that degree isn't really a degree. No, I'm not. I'm saying that people have realized you don't have to kill people right. off to have them earn a degree.
1: One of my professors at UNC told me that I was considering doing a doctorate. And he said, I got my doc my PhD at um, Clearwater in Clearwater Beach, Florida. I don't remember the name of the school mm-hmm. near Clearwater Beach. He said, I knew how to get to Walmart and my lab. And in four years, I never visited the beach was that intensive and I thought I think I could do that while I'm pastoring a church no. but
0: well so I was a high school principal huge hmm. high school trying to finish the doctorate and I was at the University of Kansas and so KU you know they made no bones about that half of you in this cadre of 22 are it's not, not going to finish a... wow. I mean they were clear about that and uh, you know so it part of it was just like survival of the fittest I mean wow. you know just who can be tenacious enough to see this through to the mm. end, so you know you do the coursework, then you do you know very intense comprehensive exams, right? And and Which maybe, are brutal, yeah. And then you get to propose, and so
1: comprehensive so, exams. If those of you that don't know, it's it's like a test on everything you've studied in your graduate work, and these are high level classes, very intense, very yeah. difficult. And at the end of it all, they give you this massive exam that's over classes that you haven't taken. Three or four three years. years. Yes. Yeah.
0: Right. Like the school finance piece of the exam, you may have not had a finance class for, you know, two or three years. Um, and each exam is typically three to four hours long
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, over multiple subject areas. And, uh, you know, m- many of my colleagues did not pass the first time around mm. or would you wouldn't pass a section. You know, you did. I was, I was fortunate. I passed, I passed every exam the first mm. time around. Um, and again, at the cost of a lot of personal. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, really mm-hmm. and truly, um, and and so, but you know, that doctorate degree was a piece of, you know, that opens doors in ways that that nothing else can
1: mm-hmm.
0: for you in the field of education, right? No question about it. Um, and once you have it, no one can take it from
1: you. Yes. <laughs>
0: so, uh, you know, it was a huge accomplishment for me. It's and, like a
1: tattoo. Yeah. It's going in the box you with go. you, no matter what. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I suppose. Uh, So I, you know, then, so I, so really what caused me though to move back here, um, I was here for a long weekend with my dad and my stepmom and my, Wyoming. Yeah. And, and at this time they were in Trenton, Wyoming and my stepmom had been diagnosed with terminal lung cancer Mm. that weekend, that week when I was here and um, all of us girls, my stepsisters and my sisters and I, we kind of said, all right, who's staying for the week. And, um, I was the one who stayed and went with my dad and stepmom to start the chemo and all this
1: you stuff, know all yeah. the stuff
0: and um you know I remember sitting in my dad's basement and we we did have internet then barely, but we had it thinking, you know Jane is gonna die, and next it's gonna be my mom, my dad, my stepdad, and I've lived half of my professional career in you know three states away, yeah um and so it really was just one of those moments where I, you know, I prayed about it and I, I got on the internet and I saw that, um, there was a a job open at Centaurus high school in the Boulder Valley school District. I looked in Colorado. I really didn't Mm -hmm. want to come back to Wyoming. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to get closer and, um,
1: a couple hours at least. yeah, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so I, the next day I called the principal up at Centaurus and said, Hey, you're leaving. Can you tell me about your school? And she did. And, um, I said, can I stop by? when I get uh, later this week, when I hop on the plane, can I stop by? And she said, sure. And she was leaving to go home to be with a sick mother.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. So she could sympathize back to
0: Atlanta, I think. And, um, she felt like the school was really a mess. Um, and, and had not been a joyful, she had only been there the one year and had not been a joyful place for her. But you know that I, I could see a lot of potential there. And, mm-hmm. um, and I wanted to get home. I wanted to come home and, and, So the next day I'm sitting in my office in Missouri and the phone rings and it's the deputy superintendent from Boulder Valley Mm. saying, I understand you were here and visited one of my schools yesterday. And I said, I did. And he said, well, well, tell me about your work. And so we had a little phone interview and then um, he told me that that job had been open twice before that spring and they hadn't filled it. Mm. And so that's why it was open. So it was kind of late. It was May-ish, June-ish. And it was kind of late to be looking for a principal, but um, so it was meant to be,
1: Mm. you know, it was
0: all set up like it was supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. God had a
1: plan for sure. Absolutely. So then you ended up there. Mm -hmm. By the way, that in education, wanting to move up in education, that is a power move right there. When you just call the principal (laughs) and you say, I'm on my way. Let me come check it out. I'm going to interview you while you interview me. (laughs) I love that. It took that takes guts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, they could have said you're crazy or yeah. send your resume in or yeah. that was too bold <laughs> yeah. or whatever. but
0: what did I have to lose, right? It's true. <laughs> wonder, yeah, I mean, but yeah, it was it was courageous. And I you know, honestly, I don't know what caused me to do it. I hadn't really even looked for a job that before. I you didn't know, think about
1: I, it a lot. You no, just did it. Yeah, yeah.
0: so you know, I that's where I was supposed to be, and it's really where I learned. The work of turnaround, which has been the work I've gotten to do here in Grole. So you others. started
1: turning that school yeah, around.
0: Yeah. We we had um, such an amazing staff and so much opportunity there to really make a change in for that community, for the Lafayette community and and for that high school. And um, and that's where I learned, you know, how you do that really big work okay, of really good turning that's, the school around.
1: Let's talk about that. So you you see what is and Right now, you're the only one that sees what could be. That's leadership, right? So talk about what do you do? You get there. You've got to get buy-in. You've got to win people over. There's a lot that has to happen. How do you do it?
0: Well, the first thing you do is you you got to listen to everybody. And I, and I don't mean like you just at, are going around listening. I mean, I set intentional meetings, one with every single staff member, and said, Tell me what, and I did the same thing when I came here to Greeley. I, I said, "Tell me what you are most proud of here. Mm. Tell me what. Tell me what it is really the thing that you're most proud of. You know, and it's probably that thing you don't ever want me to mess with. Tell me what that is, and tell me why. And so, and then I, I also ask um, now if there's one thing I could change, and impact here. What would that be? What would mm. you like to see me do? And then, and then I close with, "What advice do you have for me?". And so, um, I did that when I got to Centaurus and I learned a lot, I mean, you learn right away. Like what's, what's
1: really important to people. How did you come? Those, uh, I don't want to glaze over this, man. This is so good. How did you come up with those questions? Was that just you or was it?
0: Um, uh, yeah, I don't think anyone taught me that angel. Frankly, I think, Mm -hmm. um, well, what I know was what I learned. I didn't, I wasn't always a good listener. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm, I like to, talk I like to solve problems and I think quickly and so mm. I can come up with a solution really quickly so I've had to learn self management mm. to allow solutions to come from other places than from me mm. and and I you know part of that was running a huge high school you can't control everything
1: right yeah you can't
0: solve everything you'll kill yourself. so you got to have a strong team around you a team of teachers a team of administrators mm-hmm. a team of counselors who are helping you to solve problems and so that's where I first learned you know you got to build a team to be able to solve really complex problems. And, hmm. you know, Centaurus going in there, it, it looked so doable. I mean, there were only 920 students. I had come out of a school with 25, 28, I don't know, 100 kids, and a lot, you know, mm-hmm. big school.
1: So, how, how big was the staff at Centaurus?
0: Um, I had about 64 total of teachers, support staff, everybody. And, you know, in Missouri, I had nearly 200. Mm. So, it's uh,
1: hard to even know 200 names.
0: Right. I mean, it's a small city. Yeah, it's a town. Yeah, at that point, mm-hmm. um, and so you know, so I learned distributive leadership and delegation and working with a team very early on. You have
1: to, yeah, yeah, very mm-hmm. early on.
0: And I learned that. Now I learned that from other leaders, uh, you know, mm-hmm. um, other experts in the field. And and you know, one of my favorite leaders was this guy named Al Burr. He was a former principal and superintendent. And I remember being in a class, and he said. Uh, Everything that's right within an organization is because of relationships and everything that's wrong in an organization is because of relationships.
1: Mm. And
0: I, I was in this, this conference or class with him um, when I was just an assistant principal, you know, decades ago. And that has, that has been my tagline and you can substitute communication for relationships in that statement, right? Everything that's, everything that's right within an organization is because of communication. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, um, so you got to, there's build. a lot of words
1: you could put in there. Yeah. yeah. Vision. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but I like but relationships First
0: is relationships and mm-hmm. it's, it's building those relationships and, and really understanding what's important to people.
1: So What you did is you, if I'm going to deconstruct what you did a little bit, is if I'm a person that you're talking to, I'm nervous. Here's the new boss. What's she going to do? Right. Is she going to start chopping stuff that i love is she gonna chop me is she gonna you know whatever music department and i'm the choir teacher whatever right so you come in and you say i care about what you care i want to care about what you care about Mm -hmm. and to me as i'm listening i would be like okay we're allies right at least you're at least listening at least care enough to listen how long were those meetings
0: Oh, uh, at least half an hour. And, uh, you know, and I scheduled them usually an hour apart. So if it took an an hour, some people had a lot to say, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it, it took time to do it. It takes time. You, But that is a piece of advice I give to every new administrator. You got to go in and listen. And here are some questions I've used if they work for you. But you got to go in and hear from people first. Um, and the thing about listening in that way, Angel, is it tells you uh, I would know By the time I was done, I would know, like, where the landmines are. Like, don't ever mess with this thing. I would know, like, what they were really good at Mm -hmm. and what they're really proud of. And I would know where the problems were. I mean, it's a little crude, but coming into District 6, it told me which programs and people I needed to really examine for possible elimination.
1: Mm. It was that. Based on all Evident those conversations. By the time yeah. you
0: listen to that many people. Now what I did in Greeley was a little different. I didn't do I did the one on one with my direct reports, but um I I did a circle of listening. Like I'd bring in all the gifted and talented facilitators in a group and I'd listen to them all together. And then I'd or I'd bring in all of the curriculum coordinators and listen to them and all the right. assistant principals and right. listen to, you know, mm-hmm. like three groups of assistant You're principals. You're still getting
1: a good yeah. cross section yeah. temperature. Over the whole organization. Definitely. How many employees are in D six?
0: Oh, I think we have around twenty two hundred or so total. All right. Twenty seven hundred, I don't know, a lot.
1: Yeah. Someone <laughs> I thought I heard the other day three thousand. Well,
0: so if you take in, you know, our contract workers, our our substitute teachers, and everybody, we're we're right at three thousand. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, we're right at three thousand. When you take care take into account everybody that's walking through our doors to provide some kind of services to our students and families. How many students? Um twenty 2,000 plus students.
1: Yeah. How many people then do you uh, interact with? How many direct reports do you have?
0: I have 10 direct reports.
1: Does that feel like a lot? Does that feel manageable?
0: No, it's not a lot at all. Um, it's totally manageable. They are so capable. I mean, they are, you know, these are high-level executives. Right, yeah. Um, so they're, you know, they're, I think they probably feel like they don't get enough time with me. I mean, they're, they're, they, they would like more time with me. I know, I know this, they tell me that, but they are so capable. I mean, they are,
1: mm.
0: we, and we meet weekly, um, for all of us together for usually at least three hours and that the really, whole, the whole team. Mm-hmm. And I call that the superintendent's cabinet. Okay. And, um, but it, you know, it's the executive level team and that weekly meeting really keeps us all on the same page. And
1: what's that, what's a, what's a, um. I don't want to get too far in the weeds with that. Cause I want to talk about other stuff, but what's that meeting like? What's the structure, typical structure of that meeting?
0: Um, so um, we do, we first do a check-in and okay. we've gotten away from this. Mm-hmm. And then one of the team members said, you know, Deirdre, we've gotten away from our check-in because, you know, we got busy with COVID right. or whatever. Right. We
1: got to talk. Yeah. We gotta- but
0: we're back to doing our check-in. And so we dedicate 30 to 45 minutes for each person just to check in and share anything they want to share. How are they doing? What's going on in their life? A lot of it's personal.
1: Personal stuff. Yeah.
0: Right. And sometimes it'll be work stuff, but a lot of it's personal. But, you know, everybody has to contribute. We go around and hear from each person and I mm-hmm. go last. And um, But it's really good because it kind of gives you a temperature check and I know yeah, where everybody yeah. is. So we start with a check-in and then. Um,
1: so We do that with our staff. I'll say share a delight and a drain.
0: Well, maybe I'll do that. Yeah. I like that. So
1: we can. Go, delight uh, and a drain. Yeah. Something. <laughs> great yeah that's you know something you're yeah. just happy about it could yeah. be anything i got new shoes it could be my grandson started walking mm-hmm. anything mm-hmm. something's making you happy something that's draining your tank a little bit mm-hmm. it's just kind of mm-hmm. and then sometimes we'll do a discovery something god is teaching you so delight I like Drain that. and discovery yeah so i like anyway. that
0: yeah because uh, you you know you want to end on an up right if you can so that's where that discovery discovery yeah because yeah. like the that. drain
1: is just kind of yeah. like uh, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, I like that. I might, I'm, I'll borrow that from you, Angel. Right. Um,
1: well, I took it from Alan Algram. So yeah. he's a pastor friend of mine. So, yeah, <laughs>
0: you know, it's so easy to just come in and start working. Mm-hmm. And right. boy, I have, a, I mean, and there's
1: times for that. There are times you know, so you have to in a that. crisis mm-hmm. or what you have. Yeah. Sometimes you have to just, it's time to go. But
0: so typically I keep crisis meetings out of cabinet. Okay. <clears throat> so I, I will typically call an, a separate meeting for a crisis, even if that crisis is on the same day. Um, I will call it so that cabinet is not crisis management. Okay, that we do just
1: reacting to stuff. Yeah. All so all time. of
0: our COVID response crisis emergency meetings were on Mondays, um, and then our cabinet was on Tuesdays. And although everybody in cabinet is there, you know, we had other people from our leadership that would join us. But um, those
1: of you that have never heard of COVID, <laughs> just kidding.
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> Remember that thing that we had for a while? <laughs> yeah. uh, we uh, like so we do a check in and then we um the agenda there's some standing items on the agenda like prep, preparing for the school board meeting that's mm. coming up preparing for our weekly memo that goes to board, to the board members um and then our innovation 2030 is a standing item budget and staffing needs is a standing item certain times of the year when if you're it's working on that yeah. yeah but then then anyone can put anything on the agenda
1: hmm.
0: so it's in not in that 10 those yeah. 10 people yeah. yeah it's not my agenda it's our agenda and so it's an open document and they can go in and put anything in the agenda that you know they need to discuss with the rest of the team and um, it's you know that it's it's always full there's never enough time I imagine it you is, know yeah. there's never enough time do you
1: ever have do you ever feel like um, we're taking up a lot of the team's time to deal with something that nobody except one or two people have expertise in you get what i'm saying yeah
0: I, oh absolutely
1: like this is yeah. really yeah this may be better as a smaller i don't know i'm just
0: oh no absolutely it's easy to do so a good example would be the bond issue all the construction Uh projects so let's say that um one of the principals i mean one of the assistant soups who supervises principals has issues just with a project at a certain school and so then now the the discussion is really the assistant soup of of support services who's over the bond and the assistant super elementary and me. And so at that point I will typically recognize it and say, Hey you guys, let's move this to bond planning gotcha, on yeah. Friday. So I, I just redirect. We don't need
1: everyone talking yep. about asbestos. Yeah. I just redirect and say, right.
0: and a lot of times I'll, we'll get into something like that and I'll be like, okay, here's what I'm going to recommend. I'm going to recommend that, you know, you three get together, you work on this issue and then bring us a recommendation back to cabinet.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. So we do a lot That's of that.
0: Good. Yeah. We do a lot of that.
1: That's really good. Learning. (laughs) So um, talk now about, so how big was the mill levy override and how big was the bond?
0: Oh gosh.
1: There's folks listening from all over the country. So talk a little bit about just the bird's eye, 30,000 foot view of what that.
0: Well, uh, um, you know, right now public education is taking a lot of criticism Mm -hmm. and there is so much good happening in, in public education, especially right here. We've got to recognize the good. And the reality is the good does not happen without a- appropriate resources. Right. To educate children well, mm-hmm. it takes money. It doesn't take a lot and a lot and a lot of money, but you got to have enough money to educate children well. Right. And so for us, there wasn't enough money to do that prior to the passing of our mill levy override, which mm-hmm. is a tax override that taxes people on their personal property as well as business property. And um, so it's been huge for us huge it's a game changer angel
1: so how okay so let's talk now so everybody kind of understands a little bit what that is the average guy i would guess across the board doesn't want more taxes right right the average joe joe blow in middle america says i pay enough taxes those schools have enough money whatever right i don't have any kids in the schools so what do i care whatever so how did you lead that talk about that
0: well so there's a there's a lot of different ways we approached that. So I'll, I'm going one story I tell is just what my own mother has said, and my, what my own mother has said to me is, you know, our parents did it for us, we did it for you, and now it's time for you to do it for the children mm. who are coming after you. mean mm. that my own mother, you know, yeah, we all, this is how you run public education. Um, but I think for our you know in our community, what we had to do was help educate the community first on how funding works in Colorado and the fact that schools are not appropriately funded. And that without a mill levy override or a bond issue, you're not gonna be able to do the work you have to do in a school system. It is that simple. Mm -hmm. And then demonstrating, you know, how that plays out across many districts in the whole state of Colorado so that families and people who don't have families in school can see that. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh,
0: And and then begin to understand that this is how much money we're asking for. Here's exactly how we're gonna spend it. And we're gonna put a sunset on it. So if we don't do what we promised, you don't have to renew this at the end of the seven years.
1: Whose idea was that? Is that, is that a common?
0: <clears throat> no, it's not common. Only in Weld County. <laughs> it's <laughs> it common. No, it's not common. Probably shouldn't leave that in there that I said that. No, it is not common.
1: We love Weld County, yeah. by the way. It's I a love great love, place love to live. Yes.
0: And, and I, you know, I learned quickly about that. Uh-huh. Um, we didn't put a sunset on the first one. And I had a citizens advisory committee and nobody said put a sunset. So then when it failed and someone said to me, You got to have a sunset. I'm like, what's
1: a sunset? Mm.
0: What does that mean? I did not know. I, you know,
1: I didn't know about that. They just don't occur
0: except for around here. And really, what a sunset is is that um, it it that taxation ends at a in a certain period of time, usually five years, seven years, ten years, fifteen years, and then you go back. You want to renew it. You got to go back to the voters for that approval to do that. Um, So we put a sunset on it.
1: So seven years and then it's got to be voted on again yep. or oh, okay.
0: Yep. You got to vote on it again to continue it. Mm. So, you know, I actually, I, I thought it was crazy when I first heard about it because these are operational dollars and you got to keep the system going, but you know, Angel, I operate with significant um, commitment that we're going to do what we promised our voters were going to do. Mm-hmm. And a belief that, uh, you know, our voters are going to see this as a better place because of what we've done. Mm. And it's better for the community. Better for the kids, um, and and they're going to come around and renew it again.
1: So then now let's talk about <laughs> the bond, bond measure. Yeah. So again, that's another gigantic elephant to try and take on. It was four hundred million,
0: almost three hundred ninety-five.
1: Yep, okay, just under four hundred. I mean, basically yeah, four hundred million yeah. dollars. That's a ton of money, right? Right. But when you're talking about building schools and and all the stuff that needed to be done, it was less than half of what.
0: Right. There was a billion in needs identified by outside vendor, you know, architects and engineers identified a billion in needs. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, but we also had to put a package out there that our community could support. Right. Right. So.
1: So when you're, when you're sitting around with your advisors and your team and saying, okay, guys, how do we do this? Describe a little bit of the big rocks that maybe people who are listening, who are leading other stuff, not necessarily schools. Uh, there's some folks, I'm sure on here that are nonprofit business guys, and they're like, We have to, we have to lead a huge initiative. We need to build a new building at our church, or we need to, you know, whatever. We we're gonna expand into another market. Status quo is so easy. You know, it's so familiar. It's so it feels safe. Yeah. But you knew we couldn't stay here. So then how did you how do you just kind of walk through that?
0: Well, so I put together a citizen advisory committee. First okay. of all, so I had community leaders helping us to figure this out, um, and then um, so once we knew the needs, that citizens advisory committee ha- had developed a mission statement or belief statement, okay. and then part of that belief statement was that um, was safety and security, and um,
1: which we yes. saw,
0: yeah, safety and security addressing capacity, week, yeah. addressing capacity. Getting, you know, getting kids out of portables. Mm-hmm. I think portables are not not ideal learning spaces for right. kids for a lot of reasons. Um, you and, see that
1: maybe not. It's, it's like a double wide mobile home uh, that's outside of the school, has its own entrance and exit. Very difficult to secure. Very difficult to heat and cool. Just not a great. Yeah.
0: Air quality is not great.
1: Usually, I mean, they, they're always kind of, looked at as a temporary they're called
0: temporary buildings,
1: but they're, but how long, how old are the oldest? So
0: well, we have some that are 50 years old.
1: So I mean, so that's in that's, district
0: six, they became permanent facilities, which is, yeah.
1: which I mean, is temporary is if okay. you're a Redwood, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> like,
0: no. And you know, the idea is you'd bring portables on for like we did at McAuliffe for two to four years while you're getting ready to build an addition at McAuliffe. Mm-hmm. That's the appropriate use of a, of a temporary portable classroom. Yeah. Um, but to have portables that are, you know, decades of classroom space is just really, it was really a deficit here. And mm-hmm. so a big part of, of what the, the community said was we want, we want to get rid of portables for safety and health reasons. Um, and we want to address the capacity. We're so overcapacity. Overcrowded. Yeah. And we want to address the, um, the deferred maintenance, the things that you haven't done for decades that need to be done. Roofs, parking lots, HVAC, boilers. Yeah, big ticket items that, you know, you got to take care of your assets. Right. So every meeting we put that um, mission statement up in front of that team. And even today, when we give a bond update, we put that mission statement up. So mm. people remember what we said we wanted to do. And then also a piece of that mission statement is, you know, 21st century learning spaces and, you know,
1: STEM preparing, labs, yeah, and, preparing yeah. kids
0: for their future, yes. which is, we don't know what that is that right. they're going to need.
1: Yeah, the uh, jobs that yeah. that kindergartners are going to have don't exist yet.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
1: So you you so you identified the need. Then it becomes obvious if if this is what we need. We want secure buildings, for example. We saw what just uh, we're we're filming this a week after what happened in this awful tragedy in Uvalde, Texas. Yes. Uh, my understanding is he walked through a side door that was open. I don't know if that's true, but
0: that's what I'm hearing as well.
1: Right. Yeah. So we don't want that in Greeley. So we want secure buildings. Well, once you identify that, it's almost—it's impossible to say. Let's just it's nah, forget it. You know, it's too much. It's too hard. Or whatever. Right. Some, so that's the gal—is that the galvanizing piece? Then identifying.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. What are you, What are the biggest priorities? And then the other galvanizing piece, Angel was was actually providing across the system. So some in West Greeley, some in Center of Greeley, some in Evans. So we're spreading you know, the, the big, the big construction around the community. That Mm -hmm. was important also, you know, we still have three more buildings that need replaced Uh, those old round. We have these round buildings, terrible roofs, terrible ventilation. Mike Brady from the Brady bunch designed
1: them. Yeah. He was a great architect. He
0: did. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, we still have, we had to cut that work out because we couldn't, we just couldn't go any higher than three ninety five. I mean, that's Mm. what our, our voters were telling us. And, Um, So there'll be another bond issue. Mm -hmm. You know, we we need an addition at Winograd. We need an addition probably at Northridge. We want a small high school in Evans. Mm -hmm. And then we need to replace those other three round buildings that are left. Which are? Um, Brentwood Middle School, Scott Elementary School, and um, Bella Romero K3.
1: Oh, okay. The original Bella Romero. That's right. It's got those big round. Yeah. Folks vote yes. All right. Yeah. (laughs) Two more questions. We're almost done. are you successful? What is that what does that word mean? So many um, <laughs> people will be listening to this who are Deirdre Pilch when she was 25. Maybe they're in the kindergarten classroom and they have some aspirations at some point to do what you've done or follow in your shoes. Or you know, they have their own maybe they have their own path, but they're but we all set out to do something. So the question is, are you successful? Is what does that word mean? Are you doing it? Have you done I am it?
0: very successful. Awesome. I am very successful. I'll tell you how I know that. And it isn't the passing of a Mill Levy or a Bond or my strategic plan. I figured out what I love
1: mm. and
0: what I'm really good at. And I figured out how to turn that into my life's work. Mm. And and then I continue to ask God every day to guide me in that work Mm -hmm. and to help me to make the right decisions and to give me the words that I need as I lead. And, um, that makes me very successful that I get to do that, that I get to, to do something I love. My really, it's a mission for me to change the lives of kids Mm. and I get to do that. And I, I figured out how to do that. You know, I did it as a classroom teacher and then I realized, golly, if I become an assistant principal, I can, Pack more teachers, and mm-hmm. then I, at principal, golly, I can do a whole school. And then I realized if I'm a superintendent, I have nearly three thousand people who I can help help to get to the right work to change this community for kids.
1: Twenty thousand kids. Lives. Absolutely,
0: and as you know, we we live in a high poverty community, mm-hmm. and the way we change that is we educate our children
1: well, yes. so they
0: are employed well, and that's. That's what we got to do here. And it's
1: I agree 100 our school, yeah. our church actually does college scholarships because one way of of course as a church we believe we're going to share the gospel. That changes the world. Another way we change the world and move people from generational poverty is education. Absolutely. That's it. That's it's still the doorway. Absolutely. It
0: absolutely is. It, it is the doorway and it, and you know, it's it's driven me probably more than I needed to be driven. (laughs) You know, know, I, I watched um, family members around me who lived in poverty and how they struggled. And Mm. and I was, I mean, I still have family members. It is just so hard. And um, education is the key. I mean, once you break that cycle and you get people well educated, whether that's in a skilled trade or an academic trade,
1: I'm glad glad you said that. I wanted to talk about that real quick at Greeley West. I went on one of the tours Mm -hmm. There's so much happening in the trades there. Absolutely. I'm not everybody. I'm, I'm a big profon- proponent of college. Yes, but not everybody should go to college. Some people are designed by God, I believe, to be a great welder or to Absolutely. be a great, you know, work in the trades. And so I love that the district is doing that carpentry. and
0: Absolutely. Every one of our high schools has programs that focus on you know, going straight into the workforce after high school yeah. at where you're gamefully employed. I mean, you're right. going to make electrician, oh, yeah. HVAC, 50, 60, $80,000 a year,
1: cosmetology, yeah. whatever. Right. Yeah. I, I love, I love yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. Last Absolutely. question. Um, where have you seen God in all of this?
0: <clears throat> oh, golly. Um, well, I see God everywhere in this work. Um, I, And, you know, I would have never imagined I'd be in Greeley, Colorado, being the superintendent of schools. Um, But my second year as an assistant superintendent in my former district, I was approached by the superintendent here in Greeley to come as her deputy. Oh, okay. And I was going to come. She had just been appointed, and um, I was so close to coming. And I went back to my district, and my superintendent said to me, He said two things that caused me to say, he said, one, he first said to me, I can't do this work. We have to do with high schools here without you. Mm. I need you. So I, you know, I need you. And really, it was God saying, you need to be
1: here. It's not time yet. Yeah,
0: it's not time yet. You got to do this work. Um, And then he said to me, my superintendent said to me, why do you want to go to Greeley?' And I said, I want to be the superintendent there one day. Uh, It's a giant Centaurus. I want to do that work. in In a community like that, and he said, "You, you do not need to go now to be the superintendent of schools there. You can go right from the seat you are in when the time is right." And um, and he, the superintendent was right, and you know, and I, I paid attention to what what he was saying. I paid attention to what God was saying, and I stayed there and did the work I needed to do.
1: Mm.
0: And then Greeley opened up, and that superintendent had moved on <laughs> to California. Oh wow! So I texted him. I said, "Guess who's going to Greeley?" <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's funny, huh?
1: Because in a yeah. yeah, in a moment like that, he that might have who knows what he was thinking in that moment, yeah. right? But it's sometimes you you say a sentence to someone,
0: yeah,
1: and it changes their path, and they don't realize. I don't realize God is speaking through me. They don't realize God's right. speaking to them. But God was obviously telling you it's not time yet, but that is the place.
0: Yeah yeah and so then i just kept watching it Uh, my husband jeff and i lived up north up here i kept watching Greeley. we'd come over and have dinner in Greeley, and i'd talk to check it out yeah i talked to the people i knew in Greeley that were you know educators in Greeley. how's it going Mm. is it time for me to come yet i mean Mm. really and truly it was kind of this ronnell who left Mm. i mean i would say is it time for me to come yet i mean Mm. you know Uh, and so i just i just knew this would be the place one day and um so, you know, there is that. But then there's just, um, uh, there There were times during, you know, the last two and a half years when it's been really hard in public education. And I've watched um, superintendents leave. They've chosen to leave. They've been asked to leave. And um,
1: it has been in Colorado. A brutal time, and it has
0: been a brutal time.
1: Mass resignation, yeah,
0: and stuff. yeah, and and I you know, honestly, Angel, I went to a pretty dark place for a few months, hmm. and then and then again, God said, "Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> this is the this is a journey you have to go through to get to the next work you're going to do in the district." So today, when I was driving leaving the district leadership team, we just finished my seventh year with these folks mm. with all of our district leadership team and i as i was driving away i thought wow i get maybe i needed covid and all that that came with that the controversy around mass the worry that yeah. we're indoctrinating kids mm-hmm. um but i think maybe i needed that as a leader to be to this place now to where i can do that next work i have to do mm. here in district six
1: nothing is wasted right no lesson is wasted right. Yeah. I really do. And
0: that I, and that wasn't that was God saying. Right, yeah. See, you needed that. Now you're ready for the next step.
1: And I, you know, there's always that chicken in the egg kind of idea of, you know, did God cause COVID so that I would learn this lesson? Absolutely not. God did not <laughs> cause a no. but could he use it? Yeah. Yes, of course yeah. he can. He can take, you know, the Bible says he saves up our tears and yeah, gathers our prayers. So yes, of course he can use it. Yeah, it's great.
0: And how we move through it. Um, how you move through any tragedy.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Well, Dr. Pilch, thank you. Thank you for joining My us. Pleasure. It, I'd love to do it again sometime. If you're thank up you. for it, I'd love. I have more questions. So but thank you for how being How about here. I interview you? <laughs> okay. Yeah, that'd be fun. No, I, All right.
0: That's great. No, thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you for joining us today. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode.